Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, how many of you are praying that March Madness ends for Tari today? Because he's a Tar Heels fan. So we're praying for Tari. I told him this morning in the early service we're having a one-person church split because none of us want to talk to Tari today. And uh, I just hope we don't have to have a church-wide dinner next week to eat crow because we've been ragging on him all morning long. Well, we've been talking about March Madness for the last three weeks, and we dealt with some, some lessons that we can learn from basketball. Remember the first one was you got to learn how to play with fouls. How many of you have ever been fouled by somebody? Raise your hand. All right, oh, come on now, come on. I know some of you have been fouled by the person sitting next to you, so let's do that. Everybody, do I need to make you close your eyes? Everybody that's been fouled, raise your hands. All right, that's, that's better. How many of you fouled somebody? Raise your hands. All right, y'all did better on the second. I thought I was going to have to have an uh, altar call for lying right there because we all are fouled at times or we foul somebody. And then we went on into the triple threat. Remember the triple threat? It's that position kind of like this that you can do three things from. You can shoot, you can pass, you can drive. But I told you that there's a triple threat, spiritually speaking, that allows us to become a threat to our enemy. Remember what the first one was? We reach into our pockets and we give, all right? And that makes us a threat to the enemy. But when we combine that with the second part of that, which is praying, we become even more dangerous. And then when we combine giving and praying with fasting, we, became, we become a threat to the enemy and we can destroy his kingdom. And so I want you to get involved in the triple threat. And then last week we talked about the need to take timeouts. And remember, there are two types of timeouts. There's a short timeout. When the referees go like this, that is what we do on Sunday mornings. You don't come here permanently as much as you like this place. I'm not keeping the lights on for you. I'm not paying the utilities for you. You're only supposed to come in here for short moments together on Sunday mornings and on Wednesdays for our young people so that we get empowered and strengthened so we can go out there and make an impact. That's a short timeout. But also in the course of our life, there are moments when we need long timeouts. And that's when we get away with God. And I just want to encourage you. How many of you took a timeout this week? Anybody take a timeout? Oh, a couple of you. I took a timeout this week, just got alone with God. You need to do the same, and it enables us to be strong. So we're going to finish it up this morning. And I want to tell you that every coach and every player that knows anything about basketball knows this. The thing that makes a good team a great team is this one truth. Are you ready? They know how to play on the road. They can take their game, the game that they're playing, they can take it to the next level, and they can go on the road, and they can play just as well. How many of you know it's supposed to be easy to play on your home court? You're supposed to win in your home gymnasium. You're supposed to be so familiar and so comfortable there that you're always supposed to be able to win in your home court or on your home field. That's why that one commercial that I think it's an Under Armour commercial, that, but we're, we're talking about basketball, but in this case, football players, they huddle up and say, not in our house, right? Your home field or your home court is your house, and you're supposed to be able to always defend your house and always win. There's a reason for that, and that reason is uh, several reasons, actually. Number one, you become very comfortable in your own gym. That's why sports 
sportscasters call it the friendly confines. You're used to this gymnasium, and you learn some things about that gymnasium. When you're comfortable with your facility, you know that if I dribble over this way, there's a dead spot in the floor, and i got to avoid that part because if I dribble on that, the ball won't bounce as high, and you can use that to your advantage. You also know that if you shoot it off the backboard a certain way, it's going to spin in or maybe this one one end of the gym the rim's a little softer and it, you can put it up on the rim and it'll go you know these things and so there's a home court advantage you should always win in your own gym another reason is is that you get to follow familiar routines if you think about it if you're playing in your home gym you don't have to get up at 3 a.m and get on a bus or a plane or a train and go 5,000 miles to your game you get to sleep in your own bed and you get to do your same routines you always do and you get to show up and play well so you're familiar with the routine right then there's another component of it in your home gym your fans are there Think about that. Your fans are the ones that are yelling for you and that are encouraging you and that are ragging on the referees and that are intimidating the guests, the visitor players, right? And you, your fans outnumber their fans and your, your fans are more vocal and they cheer you on. And there's an advantage when you have your hometown fans cheering you on. That's why they call it the sixth man in basketball or the twelfth man in football because they know that. Have you ever seen one of those games where the fans win the game? I think I have. Think about it, guys, on the free throw line, there's there's, uh, 30 seconds left. They're the visiting team, and they're down by one. He goes to the line, and 14,000 fans stand up behind the backboard with clappers and flags and all bottles with coins in them, and they make all kinds of noise, and they do this, and they clap and yell air ball and do all kinds of stuff, and... It affect, have you ever seen it affect the shot? I've seen it affect the shot. And so there is an advantage to being in your own gym. And so it, it's easier to play at home. And I discovered something. I, I thought this was the case, but then I went and did a little research, and I discovered that there is the truth. We're talking about basketball. Did you know that the road-winning percentage in major men's basketball is .340. In other words, that didn't mean anything to me until the guy broke it down. And he says, what that means is that in major men's college basketball, the road team only wins one out of three games on average. That's not very good odds. He goes on and he says this. He says, somewhere on earth, there may be a sport in which the figure is lower, but it isn't. The NBA, the National Hockey League is not that low. The American or Australian football is not that low. English or Argentine soccer is not that low. Major League Baseball, Japanese Baseball, Dominican Winter Baseball, or any of the other two dozen major sports, none of them have such a low road winning record as major men's basketball. He goes on and he says this. He says there's nothing, nothing tougher in team sports than what 42 schools in NCAA Division I try mostly to do in vain, they put a dozen kids into an opponent's gym and try to beat them at basketball. Almost impossible. And here's, here's his summary as to why. He says, they'll have to do it in front of fans, spinning pinwheels, wearing gorilla suits, dancing around in Speedos, and displaying unflattering photographs of their family members. It makes it tough. In fact, one coach who you'll recognize, if you're an OU fan, you'll recognize this coach's name. His name is J- Jim Beheim or Jim Behwine after 
the other night. He's the coach of Syracuse. He made this statement. He said, when talking about road games, he says this. He said, it's always been this way and it will always be. Only, listen to this, only the top, top teams in the country can win on the road. Think about that a moment. Only the top, top teams can win on the road. Being able to take your game on the road and still win is what separates the men from the boys. You go into unfamiliar setting, you're, you no longer, your fans are no longer there, your cheers turn into jeers, and they begin to rag on you, and now that is what life is like on the road. But there's a reality here. You can't always play at home. In fact, I'm familiar with one basketball team. I know Coach would know who I'm talking about if I called them by name. It's one of the teams that Southwestern plays on a regular basis. It's unbelievable. You go to their home gym, and they're undefeated. I, I don't know why, but I think it's because all the referees graduated from their school. I, I'm not making that accusation, but it's true. Uh, they... they <laughs> They are, they went, they, it's unbelievable. You look up the record on, online and it's like undefeated until they go on the road. And then they get killed every time on the road. And they never win on the road. They win every once in a while, but their, their road record's not nearly what they're, it's because you're supposed to win at home. But here's the truth. You don't always get to play at home. So we have to be willing and able to take our game on the road. Now, Jesus realized that in the life of his disciples and in the life of his followers and in our lives, he understood that we would have to be able to take our game, our walk, our relationship with God. We would have to be able to take it on the road. And so he gives us traveling instructions. He does it in Matthew chapter 5, or sorry, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 5. Listen to what Jesus says about how to play on the road. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Verse 9, don't think that you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day. Travel light. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it, not, if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And then in Luke chapter 10, he repeats these instructions to the 70 now. He's had 12, now he's got 70. And he says this, he says, And these things the Lord appointed 70 others also. After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also. And he sent them two by two before his face. Listen to this. He sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And I just want to stop there and throw this in. Because we want God to always go before us. But Jesus said to these folks, I'm going to send you out ahead of me to everywhere I'm going to go. And I just wonder how many of us are waiting on God to show up in our neighborhood when he sent us to the neighborhood first to prepare the way of the Lord. Because the Bible very clearly speaks to us and says that God only inhabits prepared places. And I wonder sometimes if God doesn't inhabit our workplace, our home place, our school place because we haven't prepared the place for him. I'm preaching real good already. See, because I wonder how many of us come to church expecting God to show up when God is sitting back waiting on us to prepare church for him. 
Oh, y'all don't amen me down this morning. I understand y'all going to be quiet like the first service. But the Bible says that Jesus sent them out ahead of him. And I believe that's what he's doing with us. He wants us to go out ahead of him and prepare the way for him. Then he goes on and he says this. He says, then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. They were playing NC State. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Can I say a few things this morning? If you haven't figured it out, you are sitting in your home gym right now. You should be comfortable here. You should understand the routine. As bad as I hate ruts, the truth is, is that most of you are familiar enough now with what we do that you are comfortable. This is the friendly confines. I understand that demons are subject to you here. I understand that healing, your healing is, your health is subject to you here. The issue of your life is subject to you here. Your pain is subject to you here. But my question is, aren't you always supposed to win in your home gym? Because if you can only pray here and only dance here and only have victory here and only have shouting here and you can't take it out there, then we are missing the point and we need to quit. Because hear me carefully this morning. If you can't transfer what you experience on a regular basis in this gym into out there into the world, then let me say something to you. We are wasting our time. Because we don't always get to play at home. So I need you this morning to understand that we are called to take our game to the road. Uh, listen, I had the privilege when I was, uh, before being here, I would travel. And I went to church after church all across America. And I discovered something. The churches that are impacting the most, the churches that have the most influence, the churches that people want to attend and be part of, the churches that are making a difference in the world, are those churches that come together on a Sunday morning and they experience God and they practice and they encourage one another. And then they have the ability to take their game on the road and win victories out there. And that's the kind of church I want us to be. It's not enough to come in here and dance yourself silly. It's not enough to be able to come in here and worship yourself crazy. It's not, it's not enough to be able to come in here and get your victory in here. I want you to be able to do that. But if we don't get the game out there, then we will be a 500 team. We will win half of our games. You understand that a 500 team is not very good. You understand that a 500 team is a mediocre team. Do you know what mediocre means? Mediocre is the best of the worst and the worst of the best. Halfway up the mountain is what that word means. And I don't want to be that kind of team. I want to be a team that learns to win on the road. And so Jesus gives us some instructions about how to play when the lights go off and the sound system is powered down and there's nobody cheering for us and rooting for us. He tells us how to win out there. These are the things he says real quickly. I could tell you, go into great detail, but let me just summarize. The first thing he says is travel light. Travel light. I believe that our issue is that most of us are so burdened by so many things. We're burdened by debt. We're burdened by depression. We're burdened by relationship issues that could be fixed in a moment if we would just obey God. We're burdened by fear. We're burdened by petty offenses. We're burdened by lack of attention to spiritual things. We're burdened by our ego. We're burdened by pain from 20 years ago that should have already been dismissed. And because we're so burdened, we can't travel well. We've got to learn to travel light. 
Jesus said travel light. Paul said it like this. He comes along behind Jesus and he makes this statement. And I, I saw something in here I'd never seen before. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Paul covers two different elements that can slow us down. The first, he says, is get rid of your weight. And he's not talking about your physical body. There are some things in your life that can weigh you down if you're not careful. They may not even be sinful things. They may be good things. It may be a relationship. It may be a, a, a circumstance in your life. They could be good things, but they can weigh you down. And then he comes behind it and he says, Then there are also sinful things that entangle us and keep us from being able to travel. And I would say to you this morning that some of us need to do a self-examination and understand that some of us are so burdened by so many things, not bad things, good things. We're so burdened by them that it keeps us from being mobile and agile. And some of us allow sin to entangle us, and we can't travel like Jesus wants us to travel. You will never be victorious on the road if you're bogged down with stuff. Travel light. The second thing he says is pray about playing on the road. He says it like this. He says, pray that God will send harvesters, harvesters to go out. And I begin to ask God a question. Why should we pray that? We shouldn't have to pray about that. The reality is, is that we all know that we've been commissioned to go out in the harvest. So why should we pray about the fact that we need to go play on the road? And I realized something. Jesus understood something. He understood that once we got into the home gym, we would never want to leave. He understood. Listen, I'm just telling you that the truth this morning. He knows that the longer we meet together like this, we've been meeting like this now for about 18 months, he knows that the longer we continue to meet like this, that we're going to grow comfortable in here, and we're going to suddenly go, you know what, I really don't want to go back out there. Steve, could you, just, could you just come up with a bunch of activities for every day of the week? Have you ever been in one of those churches? I, I was in one of those churches where we had something every day, day of the week. We thought we were being holy. What we were really being was just snooty because we didn't want to bump into somebody that was on the other team. I'm preaching real good right now. Could I just bring my sleeping bag and stay here? Because I know how to win in here. I don't know if I can win out there. And so I just want to huddle up with people on my own same team. And Jesus was saying, no, no, no. You need to pray about the fact that you need to go out there and win. You know what he's saying? Pray against apathy. Pray against callousness. Pray that God will birth in and through us such a compassion for those that are not on our team that we will suddenly want to grab hold and get out there and get involved in the game again. Pray that the Lord will send on. Let me say it like this. Prayer is a prerequisite to playing well on the road. If you don't pray about playing on the road, you will never go play on the road. The third thing he says this. Catch this this morning. He says recognize that the road game is in your neighborhood. We, we think, when, when we start thinking about playing on the road as Christians because we have our own language, what we think is that as when we talk about playing on the road, we start thinking missions. And I'm all for missions, and we support missions as a church, and we'll continue to do so. But what we think is when somebody says we need to go on the road and win on the road, we go missions. He's talking about missions. If we could just get a missionary in here to put pictures of naked babies up on the screen, we would give to it, or we would sell everything we own and move off somewhere. And Jesus didn't say that. He said recognize the game, the road game in your own neighborhood. Let me, let me repeat what he says. Here's what he says. He says, don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. 
and don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Listen to who he's sending us to to find. And I would venture to guess that every one of us know people that fall into this category. He says, go to the lost. Go to the confused. Those people right here in the neighborhood. Jesus is saying, you don't have to pack your bags and go on a mission trip. Go out your front door and look at your neighbors. He said, quit trying to do some dramatic thing. Uh, you know, I think what we want is you want Pastor Steve to get a, a missionary in here that will beat us into feeling guilty to, to reach out to the lost. Listen, folks, it's a jungle right out there. And if you feel like you've got to go to the jungle to begin outreach, get your Tarzan suit on and go out those doors and get in the game. Because it is a jungle right out there. And Jesus is saying that if we're going to play this game and we're going to be effective, we've got to recognize that the road game starts in our own neighborhood. It starts at your workplace. It starts at your school system. It starts at your neighborhood. There are people that you come into contact with every day that are lost and that are confused. And if we are open and if we pay attention, those are the people that God is sending us to. Then he says, expect hostile fans. That's encouraging, isn't it? Jesus says, I'm going to send you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. And so, in other words, what he's saying, I want to help somebody this morning. Don't be surprised if they're not excited about your victories. There are wolves. Do you understand what wolves do? Wolves pack together, they run together, they snarl, they bite, they intimidate, they howl, they make fun of, they point fingers at, they ridicule. That's what wolves do. And we shouldn't be surprised when wolves don't like sheep. Or actually they do kind of like sheep, but in a different way. Right? Expect hostile fans. Well, you don't understand, Steve. I thought when I got saved that all my drinking buddies would be glad that I quit drinking. Reality flash, they probably weren't excited about it. Well, you, you don't understand, Steve. I thought when well, I was so miserable and all my friends were miserable, and when I got saved, I finally got over my misery. Newsflash, misery loves company. And they're not going to be excited about the fact that you have joy and that you have life because suddenly your joy in your life exposes their bondage and now they're not going to like it and you're going to have to learn to play when all the fans are no longer cheering for you but they're booing you. Can I just share something with you this morning? We don't, li we don't win victories out there because we're in the majority. We win victories out there because we have authority. You ought to write that down. Because some of you, the only time you know how to win is when we're in here. All, Listen, we're in a majority in here. And just about every church in Oklahoma City, the Christians are the majority in the services this morning. And we know how to win when we're the majority. But how do we win when we're out there? Not by majority. Well, if y'all would just quit picking on me, I'm going to bring all my Christian friends together. I'll call them all up. And when they all get here, man, we're going to kick the rear of the enemy today. No, it doesn't work that way. No, we walk out there in authority and we win. Then Jesus goes on. And he tells us how to travel. Listen very carefully. And I'm almost done. He says this. He says, if you're going to win, you've got to learn to play with peace. Jesus gives very clear instructions that everywhere we go, we should be marked by peace. According to the instructions that Jesus gave us in Matthew, he says, when we come into contact with folks on the outside of this place, our peace should overtake them. 
then he says some will accept it and some won't, but that's not the point. The point is, is that when I walk into Burger King, peace ought to step up to the counter with me. And when I go into a chaotic situation in my workplace, peace ought to be my partner. It shouldn't be worse after I get there. I'll let that one sink in for a moment. When I walk into a, 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 a turmoil-filled situation, peace should be my partner. And when I walk in, I ought to be like Jesus standing on the bow of that boat. And I ought to be able to command it, peace be still. And peace overtake the situation like that. Y'all are looking at me crazy this morning. But that's the way it ought to be. It shouldn't, there shouldn't be more chaos and more turmoil when a Christian shows up. There should be peace that's unspeakable and that's full of glory. And their joy ought to overtake them. And when we walk in, the atmosphere ought to change. We are to play with peace. And so my question to you or my comment to you is to understand that peace is not lack of conflict. I'm not saying to you that where you go there won't be any conflict. I'm saying that peace, the idea or concept of peace is that when you go into that place, somehow, some way, you have the peace in your life that brings broken pieces together and broken people together and broken situation together and you are able to change that atmosphere. I know the Bible says that they will know us by their love, our, our love, but they should also know us by our peace. So let me ask you the question that I've been asking myself all week. It's not a fun question to ask, but it's a question we need to ask. And it is this. How many of us are producing peace everywhere we go? Notice I didn't say when we go to church or when I go to my Bible study or when I go to my prayer meeting. But everywhere we go. Or are we so bogged down with life that when we walk in, the, the angry situation becomes angrier, the, the, the hopeless situation becomes more hopeless, the desperate situation becomes more desperate, or do when we walk in the door, does peace come in with us? See, I want us to change. I want us to live our life in such a manner that when people see us coming, their attitudes and their reactions will change from, oh God, here they come, to oh, thank you God, here they come. That's a huge change. I want to brag on our softball team. We started a softball team about, I guess it's been three or four weeks ago. The first game of the season, we hadn't played together at all. We walk out and we're playing this. The very first team we're going to play, we're playing this. It's not a Christian league, by the way. <laughs> you can tell that by the 5,000 kegs of beer out in the parking lot as you're walking up. And so we walk in and we're taking on this team by the name of K&B. And I discovered later that what it is is a group of restaurant workers. They all work at South of the, South of the Border, I think is the name of the restaurant. It's a Mexican restaurant, not my favorite kind of food, so I don't know really. But that some of them work on, in Oklahoma City and some live in Edmond. And we went out there and we played them and it was fun. We had a good time and kind of hit it up with the pitcher uh, who is also their coach and just kind of carried on a dialogue with him throughout the game. So this past week we were playing in a tournament on Saturday morning. And we weren't playing them. They were playing ahead of us. And I caught his eye when I walked up and he came out of the dugout and he be, he's drinking his beer. And he was at 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, he's talking to him. No doubt. No, I'm not joking. I, I'm just telling you the way it is. And that's why we're there. And we begin to talk. And this is what he said, and I think this is powerful. He said, we had so much fun playing you guys the other night. And then this is what he said. He said, it was just good. And then he stopped a moment and he said, clean fun. And I got the big head. 
because I was so proud of our softball team. Because, see, you got to understand, in that same tour tournament we were in on Saturday morning, the first team we played, there was no peace there. <laughs> Their shortstop had an attitude. In fact, he bragged to the umpire at one moment. When he got mad at the umpire, he went up to him and said, you don't know who I am. I just got out of prison. You don't want to mess with me. I said, man, that's something to brag about. Put it on my letter jacket. I just got out of prison, you know. We don't brag about that kind of stuff. You know, it's crazy. That's the attitude we're dealing with. But in that environment, one of the teams looks at us and goes, you're fun to compete against because it's good clean but we're marked by peace that's when i know we're playing well on the road jesus goes on and he says not only should you be marked by peace but you must learn to play with power Jesus emphatically says that when we leave our gym on Sunday mornings, because you're in your gym right now, he gives us very clear traveling instructions. He says, when you leave your gym on Sunday morning, here's what you should do. You should walk out and heal everything that moves. If it's sick, when you leave Sunday service, it's not enough to just get healed in here. When you walk out, you should start laying hands on everything and heal everything you come into contact with. And then he says, not only that, but you should bring life to where death has reigned. He says, bring life to the dead places. How many of you know on your way home this afternoon, you will probably go through a dead place? And Jesus says, if you're going to play well on the road, when you leave this place, you should be able to bring life to that place. Then he goes on and he says, bring the kingdom of heaven to folks. And then he goes on and he, I like this, he said, kick the devil out. Everywhere you go, you should be scaring the devil out of the devil. I could say that a different way, but I'll just leave it there. That's exactly how we're supposed to live our life and walk out our life. Is that when we gather together on a Sunday morning and we experience God and we encounter God and we worship God, we should be able to leave this place. And when we leave this place, when people are sick, when they leave our company they should be well and when they leave our company dead things should live again and when they leave our company heaven should have come to them right on earth and when they leave our company there should be a shout in their voice and and a dance on their step because they realize the devil is gone I want to ask you some questions they're hard questions I want you to ask yourself these questions and be honest about it when was the last time you left the home gym and healed somebody I didn't ask when was the last time you came to the home gym and danced like a maniac. I didn't ask when was the last time you heard a good message at church and it changed your life. I said when was the last time you left the home gym and healed somebody. When was the last time you left the friendly confines of passion and brought life to a dead place. When was the last time you walked into a room and it became heaven on earth. Think about that just a moment. Because what Jesus is saying is teaching us that when we arrive, we bring the kingdom of heaven and all of its attributes with us. Anything that you can think about heaven should happen when you walk into the room. When was the last time you walked into the room and the devil got out as quickly as possible because he recognized the authority and the power of God in you? That's how we're supposed to walk. That's how we're supposed to live. That's how we're supposed to travel. If we would just travel like Jesus said we should travel, we couldn't hide. We wouldn't be overlooked. We would not be defeated. The truth is this morning, 
that it isn't enough to heal the sick in here, and it's not enough to make the demons scared in here, and it's not enough to win victory in here. This is our home gym. We're supposed to do that in here. But when we will know that we're the kind of team we're supposed to be, it's when we start doing it out there. See, what happens is, is what happens out there reveals what's happening in here. Not this room. What we do out there reveals what is going on in here. It re the road reveals our strength. Uh, there's an old story I was reminded of about East and West Berlin when they were still divided by the wall. The story goes that the people in East Berlin who were still under communist control, one day they decided to make a statement and they filled up a dump truck with trash and garbage and they backed it up against the wall and they dumped all their trash and all their garbage onto the west side of the wall. The people on the west side of the wall were free. And so what they did in return is they went and got canned goods and supplies and all that kind of stuff. And they filled up a dump truck and they backed it up against that wall after they'd cleaned the garbage out of the way. They backed it up against the wall and they dumped it over onto the east side and they put a sign on top of it. And this is what the sign said. It says, each gives what each has to give. And what I want to say to you this morning is that everywhere we go, we ought to be dumping peace and healing, and life, and God's kingdom, and we ought to be traveling in light so that we can go where God says to go. Let me just explain something to you, and then I'm going to be done. I've had people ask me, why do we do the Easter egg hunt at the apartments? I'm not slamming other churches. I'm just telling you, a matter of fact, most churches that are going to do Easter egg hunts this year are going to do them on their own property. And I'm fine with that. That's cool. That's what they want to do. That's fine with me. And they do it on purpose, and I understand, because it's a great way to draw people to your property, and hopefully if they come to your property and have a good time, they'll stick. But I just felt like, and have from the very beginning, that we are commissioned to play the game on the road. And so we are making a conscious effort. We're not having the Easter egg hunt here, and as far as I'm concerned, we will never have the Easter egg hunt here. First of all, who wants to hunt eggs on concrete? That's not very fun. I guess we could hide them out in the median and pray for God's mercy and grace. <laughs> Protection. We would have to operate in some power and have great insurance to boot. We could get some news coverage, I'm sure, you know. But, but no, we're, we're commissioned to take what we experience on a Sunday morning at Passion. We're not going to take the lights and the worship team and go dance and shout in front of them. But what we are going to do is go to somebody's territory. We're going on a road game. And we're going to go set up in their facility and on their territory and with their fans shouting louder to them than they'll be shouting for us. And we'll go hide some little eggs with some candy in it and take the kingdom of God to them. That's what this is all about. I am not satisfied that you went in here. I'm glad you went in here. I always want you to be able to win in here. You better win in here. This is your home court. But the challenge is we take the victories we win in here and we transfer them and translate them to out there. Father, if there's one person this morning that is struggling to travel because they're burdened down, whether it be burdened down with good things 
Or maybe it's burdened down with sin. My prayers this morning is that you would enable them to travel light again. I pray that you would wipe away all those heavy things and they would find themselves traveling again at your command. Father, I pray that you would enable us as a body from this moment forward to travel with peace. God, I, I know what's getting ready to happen when we leave these doors and we're going to. We're not going to stay here forever. I'm going to lock the doors and send everybody home. I pray that my folks would travel with peace and I pray that what they would do is every situation they find themselves in when they could make it worse or whether they could freak out like everybody else instead Father I pray that what would happen is they would begin to become people who would play with peace and when they walk into the room I pray that the situation would calm down and the waves would begin to become calm again and people would want what we have because they see the peace in us. I pray that we would become people known not only by our love for one another and our love for you, but by the peace that exists in our life. I pray that as we play softball this evening and as we root for our teams on the basketball court and as we go to the bank and as we go through the drive through and as we go to the fast food restaurants and we go to work and we go to school and we walk the streets of our neighborhood, I pray that when people are on the outside listening to what's going on in our house, that they would experience and recognize peace. And they'd want it. And Father, I pray for my folks this morning that you would allow them to begin to play with power. I pray everything they touch would be healed. God, I pray that every body, every situation, every emotional need, God, when they walk through a room and they just brush up against somebody, healing would take place. And Father, I pray that they would have so much life in them that everywhere they go that they encounter a dead place. God, I pray that at work, if it's dead, if it, in their neighborhood it's dead, if they go, when we go to Easter egg hunt and if we come into contact with dead folks, Father, I pray that in that moment we would be able to pour out life on them. And I pray that it would become heaven on earth to no one of us. And that the devil would be scared to death of us. And he would know that the plans and the schemes and the attacks that he has all planned out for individuals, when we come into the room, he's got to leave and he's got to take all that stuff with him because he knows he will be defeated every time. Let us travel like that. Because we realize and recognize and understand this morning that only the top, top teams can win on the road. Make us a group of people who fit into the category of the top, top teams that win just as many victories out there as we win in here. In fact, Father, I'm praying that that will be how we begin to gauge victory. Not by whether we can dance and shout and scream in here, but by whether or not we impact and change lives out there. And Father, we'll be quick to give you the glory, the honor, the power, and the praise because it belongs to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor right now. Give him a high five and say, it's time to hit the road. It's time to hit the road. We're going to do our drawing this morning. 
Uh, we've got a couple uh, gifts. We've got, uh, for those of you that are here this morning, just in this service, uh, we're not doing this for everybody that's been here all this time. We're getting ready to do that in a moment. But first, we've got Starbucks and uh, Buffalo Wild Wings so that you can go into dead places and bring life. And it won't be because of the caffeine. Amen. So, uh, all right, we're going to do a drawing for a couple of those. And you get to pick which one you want, the, the one that's chosen first. It is Danny Nix, believe it or not. Which, which one do you want? He wants the wings. Okay, one more. Chad Lippman, who's out there cooking hamburgers, so we will. Uh, uh, yeah, he's present. In the, all right. Okay, now here's what we're getting ready to do. All right, this, this uh, represents everybody that has um, been here over the last four weeks. Their little card in here, is in here. Now, you do have to be present. This, these are for the two Thunder tickets. The only exception that I will make is if, and I told them this this morning in the early service, if they came to the early service, and we have them marked so we know who they were, if they were here in the early service and we do this drawing and we get them, they were technically here, so uh, don't stone them or me. So... Um, I got a pen in here. Hang on. This is the one. I need a drum roll. There we go. All right, Tari, you're going to make friends and enemies this morning. Get rid of that big piece. All right, here we go. All right, this is for the two Thunder tickets. Here we go. Yeah, he's taking bribes right now. I need one ticket. Let's see. Mike Cashin. Yeah, gets the two tickets to the Thunder. They're good seats, too, so congratulations, Mike. Everybody stand with me this morning. You better run for the door, Mike. That's all I got to say. Um, yeah, he's got, he needs a best friend all of a sudden to join him on April 7th. Hey, don't forget our youth are selling hot dogs and ham. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 